Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall, and yes, I'm coming to you from my house once again this week in snowy Stevensville, Montana. Getting over the COVID, I think I got it on the run, Stone. Had nothing to do with being sick last week, but sit around and watch a whole bunch of FCS football, and there were a lot of great games, and we got a lot of them to get to in a short time to get there, so let's just get right to it. Up first, number one, South Dakota State, 17. Number nine, Southern Illinois, 10. Stone, you were on the call on this one. You saw it from a better vantage point than I did, or anybody else who's listening to this probably did. What were your thoughts on number one, South Dakota State, 17, number nine, Southern Illinois, 10? Yeah, good football game all around. I think a lot less points than people were expecting. You have two pretty high-octane offenses, especially Southern Illinois. I think they can score points at a clip. South Dakota State likes to drag you into deep waters, and that's exactly what they did. But if you pay attention to the first half, SIU had their chances to pounce on them. It took South Dakota State a little bit to get going, kind of uncharacteristic, got faked out on a punt, um, a turnover here and there. It was just one of those games where you thought, okay, this could get interesting if Southern Illinois wants to do something about it, but they just never did something about it, and it's always a ticking time bomb with these jacks. If you leave the door open for too long, they're going to slam it shut, and that's exactly what happened. The game was pretty anticlimactic for the most part. Not much really even happened. There were two big scores in the game, one from Deontay Cox from Nick Baker and the other from Mr. Mark Gronowski to Griffin Wildey. Other than that, not many uh, key plays that you can point to in this game that made the difference. It was all the little things, and that's just how the Jacks won it. Both teams had 308 total yards. That's a huge coincidence, right? When's the last time you saw that many yards put up by both teams, and they both had the exact same amount, Stone? The Jacks were the more balanced team with 161 through the air and 147 on the ground. That Saluki's defense was game, and the Jackrabbits were just a little better. A lot of people, like you said, were predicting a shootout in this one, but but those two groups are just too good for that for that to happen. This was a good ball game. The Salukis, they got still everything in front of them, Stone. You win, you win, and you're going to find yourself in the FCS playoffs. It's not over by a long shot for the Salukis. Number two, Montana State, 42. Number eight, Sacramento State, 30. Stone, a national TV audience on ESPN2 for Big Sky After Dark, as they're calling it. They watched Montana State dominate this game, running the football. Cats racked up 328 yards. Number three, Furman, 29, number four, Western Carolina, 17. Mr. Lebanowitz, how do you win a lot of football games at any level? I'll tell you, friend, with a defense and a strong running game and both were on the display by the number three ranked Furman Paladins on Saturday afternoon in Colby, North Carolina. Paladins rushed for 334 yards. Who do the Paladins think they are? Montana State? And their defense held the Catamounts to 200 yards below their season average. Add in 174 yards through the air by quarterback Tyler Huff, who Stone Labanowitz is going to sit down with in the next segment. And that's 508 yards of total offense. You can be bad at math like me and even know that. The Purple Horse people, they did what they wanted to do in this game. Dominic Roberto was outstanding toting the mail for the Paladins. 154 yards rushing. Yeah, it also takes a little bit of clutch quarterback play. And Tyler Huff put this game on ice with a 53-yard scamper with under a minute to play that really put this game away and I think Tyler Huff has been clutch the entire season he's been efficient the entire season he's doing it with his arm and his legs this kid's playing clean football and I think Western Carolina hasn't quite seen a defense like Furman's and that's exactly why Furman ended up edging them out here but to score 29 on a Western Carolina team and only hold them to 17 that's what I take away from this if you can hold the catamounts to 17 points you're gonna beat them because their defense is not all that so Furman shout out to them playing some really good football consensus number three team in the country and I am so excited I have so many things to ask Mr. Tyler Huff and I think Furman fans they're waiting at the edge of their seats to hear what Tyler has to say because that is their leader. They are 18 and 3 when he's in the lineup. They're 11 and over SoCon teams when he's in the lineup and they're 15 and 1 versus the FCS when he is behind center. So 
the kid Tyler Huff's a stud, stone cold baller, and I I think he more than anybody cannot wait to get his team into the playoffs. Stone, he's not flashy, is he? All that young man does is beat you, and it's impressive. Those numbers that you just rattled off. I mean, there may be another quarterback in FCS who has similar numbers, and I believe his name is Mark Granowski from South Dakota State. Yeah, right? they're just very a, similar players, I think. Yeah, just very a couple similar. of couple of winners, guys who, uh, like you said, don't really uh, like to play flashy football. Arms not going to wow you, but they just win. They contribute to a lot of the points that they're team scores they're very similar actually number 15 south dakota 17 indiana state three stone i believe this one was a little too close for comfort for far too long for south dakota you got to give the trees credit they're still playing and despite their record this one was a battle USD outgained the trees 378 to 288. Uh, the Yotes had a pair of 100-yard rushers and Charles Pierre Jr. and Travis Thies and quarterback Aiden Bauman, 11 completions for 180 yards. You look at those numbers on offense, and they're impressive. They just didn't score touchdowns, dude. Northern Iowa, 27, number six, North Dakota, nothing. Stone, at least 50 people in my little mountain town in the Bitterroot Valley of Montana have asked me since Saturday, what happened to North Dakota? Well, you know, you've been in a locker room a lot more recently than I have. How does a letdown like that happen? They put everything in the cannon last week and just blew the doors off North Dakota State. And then you show up and you look like a bottom half of the FCS team the next week on the road at Northern Iowa. How does that happen? I'm not going to sit here and be the corny guy who talks about complacency, um, getting overconfident in yourself. Uh, such an emotional win. That's what happens the week after. That's not necessarily the case. That's what people like to point to. And, and when they're looking for reasons for something like this happening, it, it's not necessarily true. I don't see it like that. But for me as a player, coming off of a big win, your entire school doesn't let you forget about it. So for on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of the following week, you're going to have alumni come into the locker room and talk talk to you. All they want to talk about is the North Dakota State game. You're going to have the president of your school come visit you guys in one of your team meetings, talk about how proud of you that they are. Mind you, this might be on a Wednesday. You play another team in three days and your mind just isn't really ready to turn over the leaf. Your group chats that you're in with your friends, they're still talking about North Dakota State and certain plays this and there. You got friends on the team putting on their Instagram stories, their their Twitter stories, their Snapchat stories, certain plays from the North Dakota State game. It's like it, it, you need to be able to wipe the slate clean and good coaches enable their kids to do just that kind of crumble that tape put it in the garbage instead of crying about it and still being emotional about it the very next week I, I don't think these kids were able to turn the leaf just quick enough and by the time that they did here was a UNI team who knows how to play some football hasn't really put it together and you get punched in the mouth and, and push comes to shove you start to think that you're a certain player that you're not I, I often talk about that football players their biggest asset is delusion and for North Dakota it might have been the opposite of an asset it could have been their biggest downfall these kids thought that they were a little better than they were and they were outgunned on paper by you and I because most teams have UND outgunned on paper. When you look at it, roster spot to roster spot, UND is not much better than anybody they play at any given point during the season. So you and I um, just took advantage of it. It's a good spot for them and they goose egg the uh, Fighting Hawks. Stone, I'm glad that you got a degree in communications from Southern Illinois, but you might have missed your calling as a head shrinker, dude, because that was excellent. That was great right there, my friend. I appreciate that, Kev. It's now time for the National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. Up first, the FCS Nation Radio Offensive Player of the Week, Mr. Tyler Huff, the fine quarterback from the Furman Paladins. Last week versus Western Carolina, Tyler Huff, 174 yards passing, two touchdowns, six carries, 89 yards rushing, and one touchdown. And the dagger, that 53-yard touchdown run with less than a minute to go to lead Furman to their victory over Western Carolina. 
The FCS Nation Radio Defensive Player of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual is Jonathan Johnson from Montana State. Last week versus Sacramento State, eight tackles, one pass breakup, and a huge pick six. Congratulations to Tyler Huff, the quarterback from Furman, and Jonathan Johnson from Montana State for being the FCS Nation Radio National Players of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. And hot off the presses, I hold in my hand the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 for Week 8. Number 1, South Dakota State. Number 2, Montana State. Number 3, the Furman Paladins. Number 4, Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Number 5, South Dakota. Number 6, the Western Carolina Catamount. Rising to number 7, the Montana Grizzlies. Number 8, Idaho. Number 9, Sacramento State. And rounding out the Top 10, North Carolina Central. Falling to number 11, Southern Illinois. Rising to number 12, the Chattanooga Mock. Number 13, North Dakota. Number 14, North Dakota State. 15, Youngstown State. 16, Florida A&M. Number 17, Central Arkansas. 18, Albany. 19, Villanova. Falling to number 20, Incarnate Word. Number 21, Tennessee Martin. 22, Austin P. Cracking the poll again this week. At number 23 is Northern Iowa. Number 24, and also cracking the poll, Tennessee State. And rounding out the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 is Lafayette. It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, Stone will sit down with Tyler Huff in the Stone Cold QB segment. Huff is the quarterback for the Furman Paladins. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Folks, we've arrived at the Week 9 edition of the Stone Cold Quarterback Series. This one, got to be one of the more anticipated, more sought-after interviews in the entire FCS. The signal caller for the third-ranked Furman Paladins, Mr. Tyler Huff, the man with the plan. Ty, thanks for giving the show some time this week. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Hey, man, the purple train is a chugging right along. I always do a vibe check with my QBs as soon as they hop on, so let's get it. The vibes around the facility right now. You guys are 6-1 and one with a sole loss to an FBS South Carolina. 4-0 in the SoCon. How are you and the boys moving inside the building right now? Feeling good. Feeling confident, for sure. Um, we're definitely playing our best football now as the season's getting rolling, which is most important. Um, you know, we got ATSU this week, bigger game. The following week against chat, but, um, you know, we're trying to play take day by day, but, you know, it's in the back of our head. You know, we do got chat in two weeks, so it's a big one. But, um, you know, right now we're focusing on ETSU. It, the vibes are good around this facility for sure, though. Love to hear it. Hey, I know you're gearing up for ETSU. You just said it, but I do want to harp on the pass just for one sec. Um, big dubs last week against a really, really good Western Carolina team. When the clock struck zero and y'all walked away with a 29-17 victory, who played a bigger role in securing that win? Was it the offense or the defense? I mean, holding Western Carolina to 17 points is not easy. No, no, no. Um, I don't know if I could really put it on one side of the ball. I think we – we played really complimentary football. Time for possession. We went over on the, on a Sunday beat, and I think fourth quarter, I think we had the ball for 10 minutes Wow. out of, out of 15. And then the third quarter, we had it for 11 minutes. So, you know, that again, that goes both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we helped the defense out playing these long um, – with these long drives, you know, keep the defense off the field, you know. And exactly like you said, the explosive offense of Western, you know, keep them off the field as well. You know, don't give them any opportunity. So, it was, it was complimentary football for sure. Yeah, I set you up for that because I just knew you were going to take the high road and let's shout out the defense. <laughs> 
defense, a free segue for me to get into one of the best defensive units in the entire country. Nobody knows that more than the man with the ball in his hand every time that he is on the field. Tyler, your defense, they keyed the victory here, limiting Western to only 353 yards total. After the Catamounts came into this game, averaging an FCS leading 531 yards, and they were scoring 41 and a half points per game. They only managed 84 yards rushing against your guys' defense, and you guys sacked quarterback Cole Gonzalez three times and picked him off twice. What makes this defensive unit just so damn good this year? I, there's so many things. I mean, we got some ballers around. I think the biggest thing is our depth. I mean, we, you know, we've had some guys banged up who couldn't play probably as much as they have before. Um, obviously, they played and they started and everything like that. But we had our backups come in, and you know, there was no difference. I mean, we had we had guys play lights out. I think it comes up to Coach Vaughn as well. I mean, he calls a very aggressive game plan, and it helps us out. You know, it gives us a confidence whenever it's fourth and five, and you know, Western's going for it, and we get a sack or we get a stop. I mean, that's that's the biggest feeling, biggest jump, I guess, of momentum for us on offense as well. Um, instead of getting a punt and you know starting on the negative ten or whatever it is, defense gets a sack on fourth down or a turnover run downs. It's a great feeling. So defense playing aggressive, it's it helps us a lot. Yeah, playing aggressive. I mentioned it, man. Scoring almost forty five points a game when you guys hold them to seventeen. That's exactly why you guys walked away with a W here. All right, that's out of the way. It's the Stone Cold Quarterback segment. We get to talk about you for a little bit. You accounted for two hundred and sixty three yards of total offense and three touchdowns. Passed for a buck seventy four and two touchdowns and finished the game with 89 yards with your legs and found pay dirt once. I love the word accounted because I think it sums up your game so well. Uh, you guys racked up 508 total offense, uh, season high 334 yards rushing, and that's Mr. Uh, Dominic Roberto's fault. They're proved, again, to be one of the best running backs in the country, rushed for a career-high 31 carries and had a had a oh, buck yeah. 54 and a touchdown. Kevin Marshall, my co-host and myself, we're huge fans of Dom. I imagine you are as well, but what does he mean to this football team? It's, it's phenomenal. It makes my job easy when I get to just turn around and hand it off to eight. I mean, defense has got to respect him. And again, that goes up to the offensive line. I mean, we don't we don't run the ball like that without those big guys up front. And it's 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 phenomenal. Again, the depth we have there, we've been kind of banged up. We have to plug in some pieces every now and then with some, you know, with some positions and every single time we our guys have answered the call. And I mean eight eight's a hell of a player for us. And I mean that stable of backs we got going around with mine and his Wayne Anderson moving from receiver back to running back, you know, just because we had did have some injuries back there. You know, KT struggling, um, coming back from a knee right now, and Grant Robinson, same thing. I mean, that's just the kind of team we have. We got receivers coming back to playing running back and, you know, not missing a beat at all. I'm actually becoming a big big game changer for us. And, you know, it all starts with Dom, you know, being that, that lead back in the backfield. Yeah, bringing in you, I know it's your second season under center with the Paladins, but you're so selfless. You talked about Wayne coming over from wide out to running back. That kind of stuff rubs off. The mentality that you bring to to the table just being selfless not really caring you know what your box score looks like and I think that rubs off on guys and you see guys moving around having to fill slots and that's why you guys are undefeated against the FCS right now hey you're not a flashy guy Tyler your stats don't absolutely wow people but you're just so damn efficient no. and when your name is called the execution has been damn near flawless all season long how much thought do you put into your individual performance on a week-to-week basis or you just care about winning ball games just comes down to winning I mean like you said my stats aren't amazing by any means um we probably I wouldn't say throw the ball least amount but we we probably don't throw it nearly as much as everybody else in the SoCon or even in the conference as because we don't have to. Our passing game is very efficient. We do a lot of RPOs, a little quick game. Um, we take our shots whenever we need to, whenever we feel like the defense is susceptible to it. But, I mean, our our, our offense is defined by running the ball and being efficient running the ball. And we've, we've done well with that. And I think, or not me, but we all think that that's how we're going to win championships as well as the SoCon championship and national championship. we got to be able to run the ball, and that's, that's how we establish every game. I just set you up again there to be humble and, and... – 
for folks, uh, just rewind the clock like five, 10 <laughs> seconds. He said me, Oh, hold on. Not me. And then kept going with the other guys there. It just comes natural to you, man. There's not a bad thing that's been said about you, no matter where I look and who I ask Ty, I do not know if you are aware of these stats, but I wanted to let you hear them. The Paladins improved to 18 and three with you behind center and in the starting lineup, 15 and one versus FCS opposition in 11 and 0 against SOCON teams. You just win, win, and then win some more. What makes Tyler Huff a winner? Um, I don't know what makes me a winner. Like I said, it's, I got a group, good group around me. You know, I came from somewhere where I, you know, I kind of felt like I had to do everything myself and it put a lot of pressure on me. And, you know, it took me a little while coming last year to Furman realizing that I got some dudes around me and I got to do it myself. I don't got to be Superman. So I think it's the guys around me. I think they just needed a little facilitator at QB. And, um, you know, I'm glad I was the piece that they needed because this, this is the same exact team they've had for three, four years here at Furman. They just, you know, I was, I'm glad I'm the missing piece, and I'm glad I can just help them carry it along. But like I said, they just need a little bit of facilitator, but they had all the pieces there. A quote to take away from Mr. Tyler Huff, folks. He was the missing piece. This is the words from him himself. Hey, your second season <laughs> under Hendricks and second season with OC and quarterback coach Justin Roper. You guys came to Furman together. You're a grad transfer from Presbyterian College. How have you two grown together in this offense wearing purple? It, it was pretty good. Um, I He came in the spring, and I was in the spring there as well. Um, but I was still technically at Presbyterian. So, um, when I was there, I just drove up because it's about an hour and a half away from, uh, Furman Presbyterian was. So I would drive up in the spring and watch them practice. I wasn't able to participate, but I was just watching practice. And that's whenever I first met Coach Roper, you know, got, got, um, introduced myself and we see how he ran his offense. And then going in there last fall camp, seeing how he actually is. I think last year we both kind of figured each other out, bounced, bounced some ideas off each other. And, you know, I had to see how he called plays and how he went about, um, what the offense called plays in the game and in and the same with him. He had to see how I handled situations, you know, big games, big situations in, in big games, that kind of thing. And I think this year now we have each other, you know, figured out, you know, we're in a good spot where we can communicate well. And, you know, I have an idea. He'll be willing to hear it for sure. And then same thing with him. If he obviously he has a final say anyway, but he has a good idea. He'll uh, ask me, see what I think. And, you know, we're in a good we're in good shape with that whenever we can talk like that. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting aspects of football in general, just the sport is a quarterback and an offensive coordinator's relationship. How tight are you guys? How much has he loosened, loosened the leash and let you do things, certain checks of the line of scrimmage? Like, just talk about that relationship from a game flow perspective on Saturdays and then off the field too. your guys relationship yeah so on the field you know the kind of checks we have is just whatever he gives you know I don't I'm not the kind of guy I think that I'm I could never call plays by any means so I'm not going to be the one hey let me let me call a play if I see this <laughs> let me change it you know I I play mad but I'm not that very good at man so I, I, I couldn't change the plays like that um so I leave all that up to him and he calls a great game plan so I'm I have no you know no doubt whenever he calls it off the field you know we hang out him and his wife um and my wife we all hang out we both have labs and uh, he's got new baby boy so we all hang out you know we got both got our own little families that we take our dog over there and we hang out in the backyard with him and his wife my him and my wife hang out so it's a good time you know we're we're very close now it's you know two years in like you said so that's my guy i love to hear it man hey you're killing it right now ty you guys seem laser focused i'd imagine that has a lot to do with mr clay Hendricks. and i always ask quarterbacks this during the segment but i know this from experience anytime summer workouts roll around you guys get a little break it's time to get back in the lab and you guys walk into the facility for the first time in a while and your lockers are usually just <sighs> full of fresh swag got a new t-shirt 
uh, some new socks, new kicks, new shorts, new hoodies, all that kind of stuff. But typically a coach and the staff, they figure out a certain phrase, a certain saying that they want to put on the front or maybe the back of a T-shirt. Uh, what is that for you guys this year and what was it in the summer? I think it's always been the same thing for at least since our strength staff has been there. It's elite is the standard, but something that Hendrick says every week is, uh, you know, and we like it, um, is we haven't played our best game yet. So, you know, he, you know, he acknowledges we had a good game, but he always knows that it can be better. And, you know, he even said today after practice, you know, we haven't played our best game yet. I don't think we ever will because it can always get better. So that that's what Coach Hendricks saying for sure. Elite is the standard. And, hey, you guys haven't played your best ball game yet. With all that being said, what's the main goal this season? What are the leaders of this squad constantly having conversations about? Don't get complacent. I don't think any of us have been ranked this high. I, I think we've been number three now for like a week or two, whatever it is. Um, You know, we got we, – we tripped up a little bit against Citadel. I think that was the week we were ranked number four. You know, we made a pretty good jump, and I think we – I think we all let that, you know, sink into us. I think we all let it get to our head a little bit. And, you know, we that game was always in control, but we didn't handle it like we needed to. And I think that's been our message since then, since then is don't be complacent. We know we just came off a big win and you know, ETSU is, you know, kind of struggling this year. And, you know, we're saying it all week. This is nothing more than a trap game, so we can't fall for it. Um, we can't look to next week by any means and just handle handle what's ahead of us. So complacency is going to hurt us, and we just can't let it seep in. I love that. Hey, you already talked about it. You guys are gearing up for the Buccaneers right now. Chad Nuga on the way as well. There's a few other uh, that you guys have to handle uh, before the playoffs come around. But I will do this and I will ask you this. You can poo-poo me. You can coaches talk me all you want. But you guys seem like a January ball club. Do you guys take yourself as if you, you want to play football in January? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we probably don't talk so much in front of the coaches about this. But, we, you know, we do talk like, hey, man, like, it's going to be exciting. You know, we you know we keep doing what we're supposed to do and, you know, win the rest of these ball ball games. You know, we'll have a first round bye. We'll, be, we'll have a lot of playoff games, if not all of them at home. And, you know, we'll have a good shot to go play in Frisco. Um, you know, we, we do talk about it. But we also, at the end of the day, we know that, you know, talk is cheap. You know, we got to go and handle it and do what we got to do on the field. So, you know, at the end of the day, that is a good thing about this team is that we show up for the big games and, you know, we're excited when we get to those big games. Crispy clean for Mr. Huff. Hey, for those around FCS Nation who aren't quite tapped in with SoCon football and are just now learning about the Paladins and Mr. Tyler Huff for the first time right here, right now, how would you describe your football team? Physical. Physical and toughness, I think that's what defines us. I mean, on defense, we're going to smack you around. We're going to get after the quarterback. We're going to make them one-dimensional. We're going to stop the run. And on offense, we're going to do the exact opposite. I mean, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to put it down your throat. And I think we're confident in doing that. We've done it against everybody, even, you know, some of the teams that, you know, probably claim that they're really good stout run defense, you know, even though they might stop us in the first, second quarter. I think a big thing that we do is that we lean on guys, and I think in the fourth quarter where they start getting tired, I think that's just whenever we accelerate the most and put our put our foot on their throat, and, you know, this team is very tough, and we've shown them to show up in big games, and we're going to continue to do that. And next, how would you describe the league that you guys play in the SoCon? There's so many teams in the top 25 now, borderline two of them in the top five, depending on which poll you look at right now. Describe the SoCon for those who aren't quite tapped in. It's 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 a tough league. I mean, every week, um, like I said, it's Citadel's, um, you know, snuck up on us. And, you know, there's a lot of good teams. You know, it's top four or five right now. Um, you know, being Mercer, Sanford, Chat, Western, obviously, than us. And, you know, there's there's no off week by any means. This is definitely the, you know, most in-depth conference I've played in. It's, it's very impressive, the kind of talent there's out there. It's... <laughs> You can't take an off week by any means. There's no bye weeks for sure. There's no off week, no bye weeks in the SOCON. Tyler, a little bit of personal stuff here. You're a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Reserves. I personally, my pops was in the military, uh, never actually played the sport of football, though. So I've been wondering what the military has taught you in regards to preparing for a football game. Where are the parallels out, the similarities? So there's actually quite a bit. Um, the leadership role, obviously, and um, I'd probably say accountability are the two big ones. Because um, I am a second lieutenant, so I'm an officer. So, you know, if I was active duty, I know 
from the reserves right now. But if I was active duty, I'd be a platoon leader and I'd be in charge of 40, 50 guys. So that's what they trained me to do. And, you know, all of my three years in ROTC has been trained to take over leadership of a platoon. So that leadership role and accountability that I've learned through the Army has not only helped me on the football field, but it's also excelled me. I feel like, um, you know, being a captain and being the quarterback of the team, a lot of guys look to me and you know expect me to lead. So I've taken a lot of that Army teachings and I've applied it to football and vice versa. I just absolutely love to hear it. Hey, you got nothing but big things ahead of you this year. Know that myself and my co-host Kevin Marshall are rooting for you guys. Good luck the rest of the way and just keep kicking everybody's asses, please. We're going to keep betting on the Furman. We're going to keep picking them when it comes down to the pick <laughs> segment. We love you guys. We love the squad in purple down there. The Paladins return to Paladin Stadium next Saturday, October 28th, to host ETSU, the Buccaneers, homecoming on 2 p.m. What's that crowd going to look like? Is this a little extra oomph to it, considering that it's homecoming? Yeah, this will be fun, because I um, I was only here from one of the homecoming, obviously, and last year's chat, that was a very fun crowd. Uh, you know, you had all the guys on the sideline who from graduated one or two years ago, and, you know, they're cheering you on, so that's pretty fun. And uh, it definitely packed crowd, and we have a lot of activities before, so it'll be a good time. That, folks, again, is at 2 p.m. It is Furman's homecoming game, so be sure to check that out 2 p.m on the east coast a little bit behind that for all everybody whether you're central mountain pacific whatever it is tune in the firmers are rocking and rolling right now hey ty one more time appreciate you for giving the show some time this week fcs nation is rooting for you thank you stone appreciate you having me welcome back to fcs nation on the palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I take a quick trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place in FCS football this week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at number five, South Dakota. Stone, what do you expect out of the battle for South Dakota? I expect a better performance by the Coyotes. I think this is a spot for them to put what they did last week behind them and get on to bigger and better things. And speaking of bigger and better, yes, that's the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. So you're inviting the number one team in the country into your home. You saw Southern Illinois was up for the task last week. There were some things that they put on tape that the Coyotes can take from. I think the scoreline's a little closer than people think, but very similar to the Salukis versus the Jackrabbits. You got to get on them early. You cannot let South Dakota State drag you into deep waters that it's what they want you to do. This team is clutch. They execute down the stretch better than anybody. You cannot give them the opportunities that they're looking for. You got to keep them at arm's reach. And I think South Dakota has the guys to do that. I look for Aiden Bauman to pounce on them early. Maybe these guys draw first blood. Hopefully, Big Aiden can let it fly and, and, and find a 10-0 lead and make South Dakota State uncomfortable. I see them doing that. If you're the Yotes, you got to open it up some a little bit. Trust Aiden Bauman and that left arm of his to to carry you to a victory here. I think you just, you're just not going to be able to line up and run the ball and then beat South Dakota State off play action. I think that defensive line is too good, and I just don't see that happening. I think they got to open it up some. Number two, Montana State is at number eight, Idaho. I think this is a similar game to the one that we just did here, Stone. Uh, Idaho, Giovanni McCoy got to play like he did in that second half against Montana. Now, they're coming off a bye week, so they've had a week to try to figure out how to stop this Montana State rushing game that it's just tremendous. I mean, there are triple option teams that go, wow, Montana State runs the ball extremely well, right? And they and they do it with the quarterbacks, and they do it with the running backs, too. And if you're Montana State, Hayden Hatton and McCoy and some of the receivers Idaho has have to scare you a little bit. And I'm thinking in this game, it can go one or two ways, Stone. Either Montana State just comes out from Jump Street and controls the line of scrimmage and takes Idaho out of the ball game, or Idaho comes out, gets some of those explosive plays, and they're able to jump ahead of Montana State 
and get them out of doing what they want to do. I'm not sure even if they do, if Montana State will go away from the run game, because let's face it, it's kind of really all they got, right? The two-headed monster at quarterback is back with Sean Chambers and Tommy Malott being healthy now, and you add in Julius Davis, who can hurdle you, which is nuts. Uh, and this Montana State team is going to be tough to beat. The defense does enough. Now, that Montana State defense, they're extremely opportunistic, Stone. You know, you can go between the 30s on them occasionally. But when you get inside the red zone or close, this is a team that defends that extremely well. I think it's going to be a whale of a game, Stone. And and I just, if you're Idaho, I think you got to come out and just like South Dakota, you got to come out and try to jump on these guys, get them out of what they want to do, make them uncomfortable. And if you can do that, you got a good chance in that Kibbe Dome with it being full and loud to come away from there with a signal victory for your program. Yeah, this has a big game feel to it. I think this has playoff vibes in the Kimmy Dome. I love what you said when you said you think Idaho needs to come out like they did in the second half against Montana. That much is true. I love that. I do. I think you need to come out and let Giovanni be Giovanni, kind of sling it around the yard and be a playmaker. And then if you're Idaho too, what you want to do is start the game like Montana did. Take the shots early and often because when Montana played Idaho, it was no regrets. Coach Bobby Houck was going to say, hey guys, let it loose. Come in here and beat this ball club. Nobody expects you guys to beat this ball club. That's the same message that Eck needs to be preaching to this Vandal squad. Nobody expects you guys to really win this game. Most people want us to just keep it close. Well, that's not going to happen. We're going at these guys next. And for Vegan and the rest of his squad you have to preach that message to them these boys need to know hey teams are going to start playing us like their super bowl right we got that mentality going and if we leave the door open teams can walk in and kind of make it a ball game so those are the tale of the two tapes for these guys i'm excited though i do think this game has playoff feels uh i'm excited i'll be tuned in east tennessee state is that number three Furman? my how the buccaneers have fallen from just a couple of years ago stone i think the only intrigue here is the bucks go to greenville with George Quarles as their head coach. He's part of the Clay Hendricks coaching tree. He was an offensive coordinator for Furman. And East Tennessee State people will tell you that the only thing that's happened to Furman's offense since Quarles became their head coach is that their offense got better and East Tennessee State's got worse. Hmm. Common denominator there, right? Yeah, I mean, very much the case. And for this offense, too, they fear nothing that East Tennessee State is going to bring to the table. I expect Huff to put together just another solid game. It seems like it's what he's done all season long, just kind of mow through FCS opponents. I don't think Furman sweats much, sweats much here against the Bucks. I'm excited for this one. Number three team stays the number three team. If one and two can handle business, if not, they're going to keep moving on up because all this team does is win. Number four, Delaware, is that Towson. Stone Towson? They are getting better each week. This is not the same team that started the season. And last week, they had something that had me feeling like Ashley Schaefer and his plums, dude. This this team had a 13-minute drive for a touchdown. 13 minutes. That type of thing is stuff I like, Stone. I know you hate it, right? You hate it. But I That's love disgusting. that, disgusting. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, dude. You just I, – I just – you know what? We're going to have to arm wrestle over this when I see you in Frisco, dude. All right? And 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 you're younger, so please don't dislocate my shoulder. I got a wife to go home to, right? <laughs> but uh, this Towson team, this is going to be a tough ball game. Delaware, like you said in the uh, recap segment, how teams have been taking care of inferior opponents. Delaware has been doing that lately. But I'm not so sure that Towson anymore 
is one of these inferior opponents. They went on the road last week and beat William and Mary. So they're coming in to their own place, hosting Delaware. This is not going to be a cakewalk for the Delaware fighting Blue Hens by any stretch of the imagination, sir. Yeah, a little test for the Blue Hens, eh? You know, we put them at number four, and a lot of people questioning why we have them this high. Well, hopefully they can prove it to us because people do know this Towson team is not as bad as the general public thinks that they are. So if Delaware can assert themselves, put up enough points to kind of hush everybody and win the people over because that's what we're doing we're kind of trying to get ahead of the curve we know how good this delaware team actually is and if they can take care of a good towson team kind of puts a stamp on everything we think they're the fourth best team in the country this is a beautiful week to prove it although towson is not all that they don't wow you you pointed out everything that they do well and i think this is a great opportunity for the delaware fighting blue hens mercer is at number six western carolina i make the mission here if you're Kerwin bell and his coaching staff is you don't let the Furman Paladins beat you twice, Stone. Mercer is a good football team. They're going to come in there, and they're dangerous. And Western, if you're Mercer, you're looking at them like, man, they're wounded a little bit. If we can jump up on them, man, it could be a long day. But I think that Cole Gonzalez, and I I don't know if playing Desmond Reed last week was a mistake for Western Carolina. Uh, I know he only played a few plays, had a couple of carries, and you didn't see him again. So maybe it was. Maybe they should have set him out. But I get it. It was the biggest game Western had in about 25 years. And the kid wanted to try. So give him kudos for being a tough guy because he is but i don't know how much we're going to see of him this week because he played last week but mercer i mean look the playoffs sort of begin for them this week right i don't i'm not sure if they can afford a, another loss you know because a four loss team from the socon uh with losses to the two best teams in the league probably not going to be a playoff team maybe i'd like to think they are because everyone knows i'm a huge socon homer and i believe mercer looks like a playoff team in a lot of ways but if you're Western Carolina, you can't let Furman beat you twice. You got to come out, start fast, go faster, and take Mercer out of this thing early. Yeah, you got to understand that Mercer's coming to this game looking, looking to bring the intensity, bring the juice. They want to jump on you early. These are the things that have to be noted if you're Western Carolina. And if you're Western Carolina, you got to bring the juice as well. You got to score early and often and get back to that bully ball that you played all season long offensively. I think they're able to do that. I think Mercer's going to put up a fight for maybe a quarter, but the bolts will loosen just a little bit and the catamounts will run free and they'll kind of uh, separate themselves. This game will end by, I think, a double-digit margin. I think the catamounts get back on road. I don't know if the hanging out for a quarter is accurate there. Stone Mercer's too good for that. It's going to be a four-quarter ball game, but don't be surprised if Western pulls away in the end. My opinion there. Northern Colorado is at number seven, Montana. Stone, Ed Lamb has got Northern Colorado playing better. They've been closer with some good opponents than they would have been to start the season. I know that's not saying a whole lot if you're a Northern Colorado fan, and they do exist stone but the grizz been different since clifton mcdowell's been their signal caller that's for sure i'm really excited for this matchup i think montana although people think this is kind of a down spot one of those let down games i don't think this is the case montana's found something in clifton mcdowell they've had a week to just hang out rest their bodies and whatnot and they're gonna spread their wings and fly high again i think offensively montana's gonna put up a lot of points against noco and i think this montana team is going going to keep asserting themselves that's what people are trying to doubt when you check some of the FCS Twitter, whether it's on social media or any of the shows, they're trying to doubt it. They don't think that this Montana team is actually for real. And I think this is a good spot for them to put a stamp on what they did against Idaho and keep the train of chugging. I think they're for real, Stone, don't you? I 100% think they're real. Idaho State is at number nine, Sacramento State. Stone, Idaho State is interesting, man. They throw the ball, and then they throw it some more. And for good measure, they throw it even more than that. So this ought to be your favorite team. And they're right there. I think they're ahead of schedule. If you ask Cody Hawkins what his expectations were 
for this season. And believe me, I did at Big Sky Media Day. And he just kind of grinned at me. I think he knew it might take a minute, but that this was going to be a decent football team by the time the 2023 campaign was all said and done. And I believe that they're that right now. And Sac State, just like Western Carolina, they put everything into this ball game against Montana State last week, and they came up short. How will they respond, I think, is a very good question. Idaho State's dangerous, and they can make the big play, and they can run away from you. This is going to be a very interesting game. I think a lot depends upon how that first quarter goes. If Sac State comes out, doesn't play particularly well on the offensive side of the ball, gets burnt deep a couple of times by this Bengals offense, could be a long day for the Hornets. Yeah, this is a business spot. Got to bring your lunch pail to work if you're the Hornets, and I think they do so. Idaho State, I'm not ready to jump on the ship yet. Uh, They do a lot of chatting on Twitter, but I don't think any of it's warranted. I think Sac State beats up on them following a loss. Number 11, Southern Illinois. Is that Western Illinois? Stone, not a whole bunch here, I don't think. To you, Southern Illinois will lick their wound and they'll probably blow out Western Illinois. Yeah, you got to get back to playing bully ball on offense, and there's no better opponent than the Leathernecks to do that. So look for a wide margin victory here for the Saluki Dogs. Number 12, Chattanooga is at the Virginia Military Institute. Stone VMI, much better than most people thought they were going to be this year, but Chattanooga has been handling their business against teams they should. Yeah, and I think they do that right here too. Chattanooga is going to blow the doors off of VMI. I'm excited. I think this Chattanooga team is really, really good, and not many people are talking about them. We touted them at the 12 spot. They'll put a stand on that too. I think they're a borderline top 10 team come playoff time. Indiana State is at number 13, North Dakota. Man, I'll tell you what, in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, if you've had a bad week, you don't mind seeing Western Illinois Illinois or Indiana State coming to your place, do you? Yeah, uh, it's a nice little uh, dose of medication seeing the trees with the leathernecks, and that's just what North Dakota needs. But hey, don't let this game get awkward. Don't let it get weird. Don't let the trees hang around. But expecting a double-digit victory from North Dakota, they need to get back on road. Murray State is at number 14, North Dakota State. Man, it seems like these last four games have been kind of the same game, don't you think? (laughs) There's not much to see here, folks. I think North Dakota State beats up on Murray State. We saw how well Southern Illinois rushed the football against the racers and that's what north dakota state wants to do so they'll have no problem doing that missouri state is at number 15 youngstown state this one intrigues me stone most state might have a little something for the penguins i guess so i'm a huge fan of the penguins though i think this youngstown state team is ready for the playoffs and i know that sounds weird to say we have them at the number 15 spot they still got some more teams in the valley that they need to play but they're like a sleeping giant i think when you watch them play they're able to score when they need to they just do the little things well and the execution with this team is just really, really good. The coach has them dialed. I'm a fan of this team. I don't think most state provides any problems for them. They'll get away with the win here. Prairie View, A&M is at number 16, Florida A&M. Homecoming in Tallahassee. I'm going to get down there for one of those before they carry me and put me in the ground, Stone. <laughs> get there, check out some of the bands and whatnot. Yeah, FAMU's a damn good football team, and they deserve a lot of respect. Big dub against Prairie View on the way here. Tarleton is at number 17, Central Arkansas. Arkansas. Stone, Tarleton, of the teams that transitioned to FCS recently, Tarleton seemed to do it with the most talent that they brought in. And Central Arkansas, they're always tough at home. I think Central Arkansas is a playoff team. You need to prove it by taking care of business at your place against Tarleton. Yeah, this is going to be a sick-ass game to watch. Both of these teams know how to play offense. Both of these teams know how to air it out. And both of these teams possess a lot of skilled players that can play wherever they want to around the country and some of them FBS-type kids. I'm excited for this one. Will McIlvain is a, a dog. 
behind center for UCA. I think these both these teams score a lot of points. This will be a fun watch. Number 18, Albany is at Maine. Stone, let me ask you this. Where would Albany be ranked if they had scheduled Central Connecticut State and Lehigh instead of Marshall and Hawaii? <laughs> They'd be ranked higher than 18. Right? Uh, and so, you know, their, their only FCS loss is on the road at New Hampshire. The game they lost by three points. This Albany team is very good is what I'm getting down to. And this Maine Black Bears team, not very good. Albany should handle it here. I, I appreciate you pointing that out, Kev, because a lot of these FCS fans don't know how to shut their mouth and they have no idea some of the schools that their teams have played. And it's so, so easy to hide behind some of the records that they have. When we can go point out some sorry schools that they've whipped up on that nobody really wants to take the time to do, do the research and point out, well, that's what Kevin Marshall and Stone Lebanowitz are here to do. We're not going to let you slide with some of the easy dubs and some of the opponents that you guys have played. Albany's a damn good football team and, and deserves to be higher than 18, but We'll just get yelled at and barked at and, and, and chatted our faces off if that was the case. But we'll just hide in the shadows. And when the Great Danes make a push, we'll be right there to smile and wave to everybody. Well, we're smiling and waving right now because it's time for us to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Every day, more than 1,000 children worldwide are diagnosed with cancer. Northwestern Mutual is devoted to supporting the research that gives families and the survivors of cancer a better quality of life. They're looking to accelerate the search for better treatments and cures for childhood cancer while also supporting families undergoing treatment and survivors struggling with lasting effects. Since 2012, Northwestern Mutual has donated more than $50 million to the cause, which includes more than $30 million towards funding more than 600,000 hours of research through the company's partnership with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. The mission of Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is to change the lives of children through funding impactful research, raising awareness, supporting families undergoing treatment, and empowering everyone to help find a cure for childhood cancer. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's that time of the week again. Time for another honorary captain of the week presented by, of course, none other than Northwestern Mutual and Alex's Lemonade Stand. We're headed up north, folks, to Rhode Island to be exact. The Bryan Bulldogs defensive lineman Darnell Schillingford is the subject for this week's honorary captain of the week. And alongside him, Joseph Fine, I call him Joe. Darnell calls him Joe. He's the growth and develop director at Northwestern Mutual Boston. Darnell, man, thanks so much for being part of the show this week. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And Joe, it's been a long time coming. We've been meeting. Meeting. We've been chatting about all of these things. We've been getting athletes lined up. Darnell was an easy pick for both of us. But Joe, your name rings bells, my man. Thanks for giving the show some time this week. I'm excited to be here. Long time listener. Long time listener. Hey, shouts. Shouts to the honorary captain of the week in FCS Nation. Shout out co-host Kevin Marshall. Hey, listen, guys, this is a serious initiative. And I, and I think all three of us are here for the right reasons. We care deeply about it. And we'll get into that. But every day, over a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer. Yet childhood cancer research is consistently underfunded as compared to all the other types of cancer research, but it's up to us to fund the research and find cures so that someday these children are cured. Alex's Lemonade Stand, the foundation, it's changing lives of children with cancer by funding impactful research, raising awareness and supporting families and empowering everyone to help cure childhood cancer. And that is why us three are here right now today 
using our powers to help create change. Darnell, of course, with his ability to play football at the highest level. Me and Joe can't play at the highest level right now, but but we used to be able to. Joe's ability now, his superpower now, is to grow and develop young men and women in the workforce. And my ability, not that stronger one right now, I'm washed up, but I can still scream into a microphone and do it pretty damn well. It's all relative, though. Darnell, I've checked out some of your interviews. Me and Joe were talking about it before you hopped on to record with us. I've heard you speak before, and in one interview, I'm like, this kid is, is brilliant. How much of a no-brainer was it to get involved with Northwestern Mutual and Alex's lemonade stand, though? I mean, for me, it was very simple. Joe, I watched him play when I came to Brian to watch my brother play. I've grown a relationship, and I know how much of a good, strong man he is and just everything. Like, I understand what he he's, believes in, what he speaks about. And when he approached me about it and he explained everything to me, it wasn't that hard. I understood, like, exactly what he was talking about. He made the purpose for me, and the purpose was easy for me as well because I had a childhood friend who uh, passed away because of cancer when I was in like fourth grade. So I definitely want to speak on the topic and like be a part of the initiative to try to push for more funding for it. Yeah, you know what it feels like. So you know what it takes to help raise awareness and also raise some funds. And for you, Joe, how easy of a decision was it to go after a guy like Darnell? Yeah, this was uh, an absolute no brainer for us. Um, <clears throat> not only is Darnell just a, a great guy on and off the field, but comes from a fabulous family. Um, older brother played with me, um, comes highly regarded from the coaches on staff about his values and his work ethic and his leadership. And so we couldn't think of a better person to represent our company and our beliefs and our values. Yeah, Darnell, what you're a part of right now, the fight against childhood cancer or something that you just spoke to, you care and you have experience in. It's something that tens of thousands of families around the country are dealing with. And to just have a hand in it, to have the ability to use your power, what's it mean to you to be a part of something this major? I know you just said that you speak from experience. You had a childhood friend who has left you, but just when you think a little deeper to your childhood, how you came up the family that surrounds you what does something like this being a part of this initiative mean to you as a person as an individual just growing up like i'm fortunate i come as joe said like a loving family like my parents they really care about us and like they want the best for us and like it's you can never really put yourself in the same shoes but you you can just imagine like what it's like for a parent to like lose a child things like that it's just unbearable and just i mean if, if there was a way to just fix it like i would love to and the best way is just more funding like it's really sad honestly when you think about it just like to nurture a child raise a child and then just a terrible disease comes and just ruins it so i would i mean this is my avenue i guess one of the best avenues i've had to possibly try to make change towards that so i had to jump on the opportunity and exactly darnell you talked about your avenue joe i want to pass this one off to you how important was it for us before we started all of this, and I know Northwestern Mutual and Axel and and we're already tied to each other, but to bring athletes and let them be the voices and let them be at the forefront, how important was that to us? Now, I know my answer, but for you, the one on the business side of it, how important was to get the athletes whose names are important, who carry a lot of weight involved in this partnership? Yeah, it, it's extremely important. Um, and the reality is, um, while most people know about childhood cancer and they know the ramifications of it, there's still another level of understanding of the funding that it takes and what we need to be doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And, and really what it comes down to is exposure within the community and making sure people know and understand what's going on and how they can make an impact and where they can give and where they can donate. And when it comes to bringing on student athletes and getting them in the fold, uh, especially somebody who's uh, so outstanding in the community like Darnell, um, it really just drives home that point with other folks in the Smithfield, in the Rhode Island community, folks to understand that, yes, this is something that's extremely important Um, Not only from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, from the community standpoint, the Bryant football team, 
Everybody stands behind this FCS nation. Um, and really, we just want to get the message out to as many people as possible um, to make sure that we're doing everything we can. That's money, Joe. That's money there. Hey, Darna, I let us slip a second ago, but I said I've listened to some of your interviews. I've listened to you speak. You, uh, during the summer six months ago, had a chance to sit down with the Brian Westbrook. Yes, the gold jacket wearing Brian Westbrook in a series called Difference Makers. For the audience out there, if you haven't seen it yet, please go check it out on YouTube. It's from the account Front Office Sports. It's titled how sports prepare Darnell Schillingford for the corporate world. There was a question in there from Mr. Brian Westbrook, and he asked you, and I thought it pertained pretty closely to what we're doing, this partnership, this collaboration, this initiative. Throughout the country, Northwestern Mutual brings in thousands of interns a year. It's prestigious for them. It's top five in the country. It's top two, top three, depending on which year you look at. They're staying so steady and so strong. That was a part of our episode last week. And thousands of former athletes with little to no job experience. And Darnell, you know this. When you come into college, you automatically just get yourself engulfed in the sport. And a lot of us treat it as if that's our full-time job and you're not really to get any work experience. And this was something that Brian hinted at. And no matter the market, Northwestern Mutual loves to bring in athletes. And, and what becomes vital to their early success is the ability to manage time, handle certain academic loads, and just your personal life's structure. How do you think that translates into the professional world now? You're a senior. You're getting ready to head out there into the real world. How does all that pertain? Yeah. I mean, it was great to talk to Brian and everything. And we talked hit on a lot of points, but specifically about just how sports is like helped shape me like I've only done internships during my time in college I did two internships and you know with football especially you play with so many different people like there's people from like all over the east coast at Brian there's people from the west coast my group my direct roommates from California like you just learn how different people work and like understand like their values and things like that and how they see the world and you don't have a choice you like have to play with them like whether you like may not agree specifically but you learn to adapt you learn to like learn why they think like that and what has made them think like that and then in the workforce like in my internships i've seen like you're working with different people people that identify different than you and you have to respect them for what they what they identify as what they believe in and things like that and then you have to learn to work with them because you still have a common goal like you still have to you know win the game in terms of football and the workforce you have to earn profit you have to accomplish tasks things like that and no matter what they uh whatever they believe in you have to do it as well so that's definitely one of the biggest things and then actually just this past week we had a career fair and someone said something to me i was talking to a recruit someone who went to bryant works at goldman sachs now and they were just talking about like how being an athlete like you have so much on your plate like classes things like that uh practice meetings lift that when you go into the workforce it kind of slows down like you don't have as much to do and you just only have work so student athletes they just have no, know how to like schedule things and work under so many different hats and like wear so many different hats that in the workforce when it kind of condenses and your job and then family life they're able to flourish because they have more focused towards just what they have to specifically do in their job. So. Now, you're not saying playing football is is harder than working a real job, though, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that. Okay, no, saying just that. making sure. Just making sure. Hey, Joe, and for you kind of directing this towards Northwestern Mutual, what is it about athletes in particular? And Darnell kind of just touched on it. That gives them the edge when they first start with Northwestern Mutual or just the workforce in general. Yeah, uh, I think it, it really starts with handling adversity. Um, and no matter what industry you go in or what company you work at or what your life looks like between the ages of 22 and 90, um, every single person deals with adversity at different points in time in the workplace and outside of it. Um, and there aren't a lot of things that can prepare you for that adversity, like playing collegiate sports, especially when we talk in the world of football, we're talking about winter conditioning. We're talking about spring ball. We're talking about summer runs and lifts. We're talking about balancing schoolwork, 
study hall, um, extracurriculars, community service, all the different things that are going on. Um, and as we all know, when you start a football game and you snap the ball, there's going to be some adversity there too, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some things that are going on that you didn't expect. Um, and so really, I think the the number one thing is it really helps prepare people for the adversity that they face after graduation when they're in the workplace. And then the other, other thing I comment on it is um, being competitive, right? Uh, when you go into the business world, when you're going to go into a world where you might be a little bit more entrepreneurial, um, you got to have that competitive edge. Um, you got to go want to win. Um, and we know that student athletes, historically speaking, um, when they graduate and they join and they start with us, you know, they're competitive and they want to go win. I love that. Hey, boys, let's switch the gears to some football here. For you, Darnell, big one this Saturday is the dogs take on Charleston Southern. You guys right now sit at three and four in your 2023 campaign. Let's give it a grade. Not just you yet we'll get to that but for the team the three and four start right now a through f what would you give it it's been it's definitely been up and down in terms of just wins some some losses some losses we dropped that we definitely feel like we shouldn't have but we're definitely excited after we went into princeton and we got that overtime win we're excited about that and we've put some good football together at times but we just need to put it all together for four quarters so i I would give us a b so far you know conference play we're one and one it was a tough one in eastern illinois last week but there's still so much of it left that i think we can still make it very positive yeah no doubt and for you individually a through f grade yourself out i mean i I wouldn't really ever want to grade myself but i mean i'm just trying to do my job do whatever i can and make plays where i can but i'll give myself a c a c you gave yourself a C. Okay, you can always be better. You can always, always be, be better. better. Hey, being humble, being humble—that's key. Like you had mentioned, you guys are one and one in the Big South OVC. Charleston Southern on deck, Gardner Webb on deck, Leonard Wood and Seamus—some pretty damn good football teams. So buckle up, gonna be a fun ride. Excited to see how you guys finish this thing out. But it starts with Charleston Southern. What have you seen on film that you think the dogs can kind of exploit Saturday? Yeah, I mean they're still a good team. They uh they definitely have some ball security issues. We've been talking about that today. So we definitely want to take the opportunities we have defensively when they present themselves. You know, obviously you always want to force turnovers, but if they're going to, with their triple option that they do sometimes, if they're going to present the ball the way they do sometimes, you definitely have to take advantage of that and create more opportunities for our offense. Joe, when I just heard Darnell give himself a C in, in I, the grading department, the only thing that I can try to translate that to is being a leader, like being humble, being very self lists and everything that he said so far has just screamed leader it's no secret that when you talk about this partnership and all the things northwest mutual brings to the table one of them is your internship program is this the kind of guy you're looking for like a guy like darnell now he's a little older and he's getting to head out there but are these the types of guy when you're on campus and you talk about some of the fairs that you guys have because i know northwest mutual is spread out all through a bunch of different college campuses is darnell the ideal character you guys are looking for and why look i think you when you hear Darnell's answers, um, that answers the question for you, Stone, which is absolutely. Uh, and, and you hear it, right? Someone who's selfless, they care about the team. You say, how did you do? He said, well, I can get better. I'm a contributor mm-hmm. and I'm going to do my job, but I can always do better. Gives the team a better grade than himself. Um, a hard worker, somebody who's a stand-up guy in the community. I mean, Darnell is the exact person that we're looking for. Um, we want folks who care, who have empathy, who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and give back. Um, and we're open to all different types of folks from all different types of backgrounds, as long as you want to be part of great team love it love it love it hey you guys have an event coming up soon now this is what i'm most excited about like this is where i think the bread and butter is getting the fans involved with the athletes with northwestern mutual like this is where it really hits home tell us about the event northwestern mutual and alex eliminates in they're always collaborating joe november 4th let the people know what's going on we are so excited uh to be partnering with parente's restaurant just outside the bryant university campus 
Um, for those Bryant Bulldog alums who are listening along, I know there's a bunch of you. Most of us could probably outline Parentes with our eyes closed. Um, it is the go-to place in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Um, and we are super happy to be partnering with them uh, before, during, and after the football game on November 4th. Um, they have been generous enough to donate a dollar for every uh, Tito's Lemonade that's sold during the entire event. They're going to donate a dollar and our company is going to match that. Um, it's going to be a great event. We're going to raise a lot of money for Alex's Lemonade Stand to fight childhood cancer. Um, and we're just super thankful um, for Parentes for opening their doors and partnering with us. Yeah, 100%. And there's one more thing that I kind of wanted to touch on with you, Joe, is and, and you let it slip uh, five minutes ago, maybe talking about competition and how competitive based this alignment that this partnership is. And, and I, I see that to be true. And one of the things that we've done is allow fans to compete against other fan bases all in the donation process and raising awareness process. Why did you feel like this was something that we needed to implement? Yeah, we want to make everything we can competitive, right? That's how you get the best out of people. That's how we're going to raise the most money to fight childhood cancer and to raise money for Ox's Lemonade Stand. And um, I'm a little bit biased, but I think our folks here in New England and Boston and in Rhode Island and Smithfield, I think they're going to come to the table. And I think we're going to raise a heck of a lot of money to go fight childhood cancer and Fox's Lemonade Stand. And um, I'm just excited for our people to show up and show out and open up their pocketbooks. All right, Darnell, now it is your turn. Joe kind of threw you the alley-oop. Tell the people where and how they can go to donate and contribute to the cause. Yeah, definitely. If the fans go to fcsnationradio.com and look for Alex's Lemonade Stand on the right side of the screen and click on that and find my name, they click donate, enter their dollar amount, and the rest is history. And they can make Bryan University have highest dollar amount for the donations for Alex's Lemonade Stand. Yes, Darnell is calling out all the fans, and so is Joe. They want Brian to have the most, be the most impactful, get involved with this like darnell said fcsnationradio.com right on the right side of the home page it says alex's lemonade stand got its own page you click on it take down right to the landing page click on donate or if you just want to check the standings if you've already donated and you want to see where brian is ranked click on it it takes you right there you'll see darnell Schillingford's name right paired with bryant university and that's where you can donate folks darnell i'll start with you Appreciate you so much for being a part of this and giving the show some time this week. And hopefully this carries on and we can watch Brian be successful the rest of the season. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I really do hope we keep watching Brian football for a long, long time past the next four games. Yes, most definitely. And Joe, to you, thank you so much. One, for bringing Darnell in our lives and two, for being a part of this and keeping it pushing. Uh, happy to be here, Stone. Greatly appreciate you and FCS Nation, everything that you're doing to help us with uh, fighting childhood cancer in this great cause. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now time for the pick segment. This is my favorite time of the week. This is where Stone Lomanowitz and I go head-to-head, and we pick the biggest games taking place all over FCS Nation. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at number five, South Dakota. This is the FCS Nation game of the week, 1A. I'm excited for this one. I said earlier in the preview segment, I think the scoreline's pretty close. I see that to be true. I think the Jacks get out of here 30 to 24 on top of the Oats. This will be a good one, like Stone just said. Great quarterback matchup with Gronowski for the Jacks and Bauman for the Oats. Game will be decided on the lines, though. The Jackrabbits have the better group on both sides. Take number one, South Dakota State over number five. South Dakota on the road, 27-21. Number two, Montana State is at number eight, Idaho. God, I want to pick Idaho. I love Idaho. I love Eck. I love Giovanni McCoy, but Montana State's just able to run the ball, and they're bigger up front than the Vandals. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think this is a slow burn game if Idaho can't make it interesting. I got Montana State here 35 to 28 over the Vandals. 
FCS Nation Game of the Week 1B here. This is a tough one to pick, Stone. I'll be in attendance, and the Vandals lost the last time I was there, so I may never be welcome in Idaho again. Too much ground attack for the Cats here, and I think that'll make all the difference. Take number two, Montana State on the road over number eight, Idaho, 31-27. East Tennessee State is at number three, Furman. Easy going for the purple people here, 35-10 over the Bucks. I don't think Furman sweats at any point during the four quarters of this ball game. Not much to see here. The number three Paladins make the Bucks walk the plank. Take Furman, 35 to 10. Number four, Delaware is at Towson. Yeah, we love Delaware because they've just taken care of the opponents that they should have. Unlike a lot of the other teams that are ranked inside the top 25, the Blue Hens will do just that this week, 35-14. Easy dubs. Towson team is improving each week, and I get the feeling those boys are beginning to believe. But Delaware's been beating the people they should, and I think that continues. Take Number four, Delaware on the road over Towson at Johnny United Stadium. Blue Hens, 34-21. Mercer's at number six, Western Carolina. Johnny United went to Towson? Baltimore. Ah, okay. Okay, I love that. I love that. All right, Western Carolina. They're going to handle business over Mercer. Mercer, I think, has fun in the first quarter. The Catamounts will score. They rip off like 17, maybe 21 in one of these quarters, and they'll win this ball game 48-17. to Playoff start this week for Mercer at 5-3. and three, Like I said, I don't believe they can afford another loss and be a playoff team. Western Carolina's coming off being handled for the first time this season. How are the Catamounts going to react? Very well indeed, I think. Take number six, Western Carolina at home over a good Mercer squad, 38-28. Northern Colorado is at number seven, Montana. I think Montana cruises here. I think Clifton McDowell cruises here. I think the offense has finally found something, and this team is legit. They won this ballgame 38-10. to like we discussed, Stone, the Grizz are a different team with Clifton McDowell at quarterback. But despite the record, UNC's playing better under Ed Lamb. I thought that would happen. I thought it would happen sooner than it did, though. They'll hang around for a while, but the Grizz are too good. Take number seven, Montana at Washington Grizzly Stadium over Northern Colorado, 42-13. Idaho State is at number nine, Sacramento State. Yeah, Sacramento State, they got a bad taste in their mouth. You talked about it earlier. Idaho State likes to throw the ball around the yard. That also comes with an, a few interceptions, and I think that's what we see in this game. I think Sacramento State buries them here, 42-20. to Bengals are a very interesting squad under first-year head coach Cody Hawkins, and they're ahead of schedule in their rebuild. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They'll fight, but these Hornets come in mad, Stone. Take number nine, Sacramento State at home over Idaho State, 38-21. Number 11, Southern Illinois is at Western Illinois. Yeah, let's just go with a lot to a little here. If I had to pick a score, it's 55 to 7. Very similar scoreline to what North Dakota State did to them last week. My prediction in this one, pain. Take the number 11 Salukis on the road over the Leathernecks, 48-7. Number 12, Chattanooga is at Virginia Military Institute. I think Chattanooga puts up 52 points and allows VMI to find pay dirt one, so let's go 52-7. to Chattanooga Mocs rebounded nicely from that heartbreaking loss at home to Western Carolina. VMI is much improved. The Mocs are going to have too much on offense and the defensive lines for the key debts, and they'll wear them out in the fourth quarter. This one will be close for a while, but take number 12, Chattanooga on the road over VMI, 34. 13. Indiana State is at number 13, North Dakota. I think the Fighting Hawks win this ball game 28 to 10 in what is not a very fun football game to watch. Nonetheless, they'll get this thing done. I've said it for weeks and it bears repeating. The Trees, their record is crud, but they haven't quit and you got to admire that. North Dakota isn't as good as they looked against the Bison, and they aren't as bad as they looked last week. Troops somewhere in the middle and they'll win at home over Indiana State 28-13. 
Murray State is at number 14, North Dakota State. I like North Dakota State from here on out. I think they start to bully teams 35-8. to eight, They'll beat up on the Razors. Last week it was Western Illinois, and this week it's Murray State. What a tonic for the struggles the Bison have had earlier in their schedule. That's a nice twofer right there. Take number 14, North Dakota State at home in the Fargo Dome over Murray State, 42-10. to 10. Missouri State is at number 15, Youngstown State. I like this game. I think it's going to be pretty fun. I do have Youngstown State winning this game 30-27. to 27. They've just been better in fourth quarters and better down the stretch of games. So they'll, they'll win this game. It might not be a field goal. They might have to hold off a late Missouri State push here, but 30-27, to 27, the victory for the Penguins. I don't think so, sir. This is my upset special of the week, and the Penguins proved me wrong last week, but I'm still not a believer yet. Like I said, upset special of the week. Take Missouri State on the road over number 15, Youngstown State, 31-30. to 30. Prairie View A&M is at number 16, Florida A&M. I like Florida A&M here. I think the offense has a day when the crowd is packed. There's not going to be a seat. It's going to be standing room only, and I love that up in Tallahassee. 42-17, to they'll beat up on Prairie View. Homecoming in Tallahassee for Florida A&M. And if I was a Florida man like my partner here, Stone Lebanowitz, I'd be there. Heck, I'm a Carolina man, and one of these years I'm going to be there. The pageantry will be something to see, and so will a football game. It'll be all Rattlers. Rattlers strike, 38-13. Tarleton State is at number 17, Central Arkansas. Points, 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 points. I'm going to be watching this game. I love both of the offenses here, but UCA is going to double them up 35 to 30. And what's a pretty fun ball game? Tarleton, the Bears are tough at home, and this week will be no exception. Take number 17, Central Arkansas at home on the stripes in Conway, Arkansas. Bears 35 to 20. Number 18, Albany is at Maine. We did all this chatting about the Great Danes in the preview segment and how we think they deserve a lot more respect than they're getting, and we feel as if we're the ones who cover the subdivision who are giving them all due respect. The fans see it. The fans appreciate it. I like this Great Danes team a lot. They're going to win this one 28-10 and keep the train of chugging. Albany defense smothers Maine here, and that group will get after you. Take number 18, Albany on the road over Maine, 28-13. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto. Radio Network, FCS Nation is produced and co-hosted by Mr. Stone Manowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.